bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to Northwest Prime. We have a fantastic guest for you today that I'm super excited about. One of the world's most famous cooking teachers, Jacques Pepin, has published more than 25 cookbooks. And his new cookbook, Jacques Pepin, Heart and Soul in the Kitchen, is going to be out October 6th. It's available on Kindle. It's available in in the hardback form. And it's available where books are sold. And we're going to talk about that book. I'm going to introduce you to him. And he's just led an extraordinary life. Um, he starred in over 13 acclaimed cooking series on public television, is contributing editor to Food and Wine magazine. Before coming to the United States, he served as personal chef to Charles de Gaulle. As you can imagine, he's won numerous awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award from the James Beard Foundation, the Legion of Honor, France's most highest distinction. He lives with his wife, Gloria. He's a husband, a father, a grandfather. He now lives in Connecticut, and he joins us today. So thanks, Jacques, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. You sure I did all of that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, are, are you coming out with a memoir? Because you really led an extraordinary life. Yes, well, I have a memoir which actually is com- is coming back again in the fall called The Apprentice, and uh, it's been out of print, and now they are bringing it back. Uh, there is a new introduction with uh, uh, Anthony Bourdain and so forth. So, yes, uh, I I did that a few years ago. Great. Well, I definitely want to read that because you just really had an amazing, amazing life. I really love your new cookbook that you're out to, and, and even to call it a cookbook doesn't really do it injustice because it's so much more than that. In fact, uh, People Magazine just called it the next dinner party Bible, and it's just an, a fantastic book. And, and you talk about in the book that pleasant dining requires interesting conversation, and I really felt that sense of ease and flow throughout the book as I was looking through it. You have these conversations with us, the reader, as you're um, giving us the recipes as well. Yes, well, you know, uh, dining together, I mean, sharing food and and partaking of uh, a great time with the family and friends, it may be it may be uh, the most advanced form of what we call civilization, you know. Uh, yes, without any question, I mean, uh, everyone is the same around the table. You may be sitting, you may be invited somewhere and sitting next to, I don't know, the CIO of, uh, of General Motors or one of those things which, which would never talk to you in normal time, but no one knows whoever uh, people are around the table. And uh, so the table is a great equalizer, yes. It is, and and you've had that pleasure of being around probably all all people from all forms of walks of life. So to tell us, uh, you would be the expert in that on on how that the food is kind of the great equalizer, kind of bringing people together, no matter from from where they come in the world or or what their social economic situation is. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, there is some limitation. You want to play your 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 guest. And when uh, I don't know when I was cooking for the president in France, 
if we had the king of, uh, of Morocco uh, for dinner, you're not going to do a, a you know a ham or something like that. Or, or uh, so you 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 have certain consideration for your guest to do. But otherwise, uh, I mean, the food that I like to do is the food which resonates with the guest. Something that you can uh, that you, you can look at. Something that you can recognize. <laughs> Something that uh, makes you salivate when you when, when you look at it. I mean, I don't want people to come to my house and have a, a, a sublime experience or whatever. You know, uh, I just want them to say, "Well, this is what very good food." You know, uh, I don't want to do something so special that no one knows what it is or whatever. It's not my type of food. Right, right, and and that really comes through in the book, and and, and you've talked about uh, incorporating children in into the kitchen and you uh and you brought in your granddaughter and and having it a family mm-hmm. and friend experience and, and how important that's been to you really throughout your life yes i mean certainly when my daughter was uh a year old and i hold her in my arm and she could stir the pot so she could made it because she made it with daddy so she was going to to taste it and uh, frankly, we never bought uh, uh, baby food. You know, we took whatever we ate. I mean, uh, before I put too much seasoning in it, uh, we took it, put it into the blender, and give it to the kids. So you know, whether you do pasta with uh, some garlic or whatever in it, uh, they get used to that taste. So that uh, by the time they get a bit older and have the real food, we'll eat the same taste and what they are at as baby food. You know, so yes, you have to. To train the palate of the kid, you know, you cannot have kid eating, uh, I don't know, hot dog and pizza and stuff like this until uh, you're 12 years old, until it's your first communion or your your bar pizza, and all of a sudden, then you sit at the table and you have to eat totally different. You say, well, I'm not eating that stuff. You know, it's totally different. So yes, the kid have to be part of uh, what you eat. I never have different menu when I have kid coming. Is is that something that's unique maybe to European families versus maybe families in the United States? I know in the United States it used to be very common maybe 50, 100 years ago uh, for families to cook together, but is that still going on in Europe, and is is the United States coming back to that, or did we ever lose it? No, I think we are coming back to that. If any, I mean, the point is that it's much easier to do one menu than doing two or three menus. I mean, when you come to my house, this is not a restaurant. I don't give you the, you know, la carte, and you have to choose that la carte, whichever you want to eat. <laughs> uh, I do whatever I cook that day. I mean, I'm not going to do tripe or uh, uh, pig's tongue if, uh, if I don't know the people exactly. If I have a French chef coming to, I know they would enjoy that, so I will do that. But otherwise, uh, we have one menu, and it makes it uh, certainly much easier. And I don't know why the children should eat differently than the parents. You know, I mean, I'm doing a, a roast of, uh, of veal with some artichokes, and, uh, and then the kids are going to eat pizza or whatever. I mean, what's the point? doesn't make any sense at all. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when Claudine was small, coming out of school, uh, sitting around the table every night for an hour, an hour and a half, it's not necessarily pleasant every night, but uh, you need to communicate. Otherwise, there is no other place where you communicate but around the table, you know. And, uh, Absolutely. And the kids will change, of course. I mean, they will love string beans. 
and then uh, three weeks later they hate string beans for for a, for a, for a month, and then they love them again or whatever. It does. It goes up and down, and you have to deal with that a little bit. But uh, you know, you cannot go on your knees uh, with uh, you know with, with with joy because the kid ate uh, Brussels sprouts or spinach. You know, so, I mean, it's what's on the menu tonight. We ate, and we never made any difference. So. In fact, that's what Claudine liked the best, Brussels sprouts and artichokes, you know, in vegetables. I love Brussels sprouts. And I, when I was growing up, I was, I don't know, kind of an anomaly. There wasn't a lot of people who loved Brussels sprouts. But I always have loved Brussels sprouts. And I'm so glad to see more chefs, I, I guess maybe you, you always use them, but I don't know, but it seems like I'm seeing them more more ways to have Brussels sprouts and, and to saute them and, and add different uh, seasonings to them and roast them and all kinds of different things. So for me personally, yes. I'm so glad to see them getting the respect they deserve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I do them for, well, we'll do them for Thanksgiving. And uh, you change through the year now. I don't even... Uh, pre-cook them now. I just slice them. If you have a, 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 a KitchenAid or one of those, uh, uh, you know, a food processor rather, and with a blade, you just put them in there. In two minutes, it's all sliced, about a quarter of an inch thick, you know, and you can have a, a little piece of butter or just some olive oil, and you saute them in a skillet with seasoning, fresh like this. It's very good and simple. Well, I found out I have a friend who lives in Ireland, and they eat them uh, every year, uh, year for good luck um, at the at the New Year. And I uh-huh. thought that was a, a great tradition to eat Brussels sprouts for good luck at at, at the New Year. One of the things yes. that you also gave us liberty in your book was to adapt recipes to to our own taste. And and I think a lot of times we're so afraid to stray. From, from the recipe because we don't want to uh, make make a bad meal. But you really encourage adaptation of recipes, and, and, and you've had recipes from, from other well-known chefs that you've liked, and you've taken them home and, and kind of adapted it to, to, to your own way. And you really gave us permission to have that freedom that it's okay to stray a little bit. No, no, it's more than a permission. This is a normal process, you know. But, I mean... When I say I have someone who told me the other day, oh, that's what I do. When I do a, a, a beef burgundy, I looked in the Julia's book and in your book and in the Richard Olney book and five, six books. I took all of those recipes and I mixed it to do something my own. This is not at all what I said at all. I said the first time you do a recipe, uh, regardless who the recipe comes from, the first time you do it, you should do it exactly the way it is written in that recipe to do justice to uh, whoever wrote the recipe. And uh, if it turns out good and you're very happy with it, then you're likely to do it again. For the second time, well, you may take a fast look at the recipe and do it more or less the same. And maybe by the third time you say, well, I think I'll put a little more tomato in there and I'm not going to put the scallion. And by the fifth time and, and a year later, you know, you have massaged that recipe enough to your own taste that it become your own. And at that point, you don't even remember where it comes from. This is a normal process for me, you know, not to mix all the recipe together at the beginning. <laughs> Do you remember what your first cookbook was? My first cookbook? I did a book with Helen McCullough 
who was uh, in New York, uh, kind of my, my surrogate mother, you know, in the in the early 60s, and uh, it was uh, she wanted to do that, and I co-authored with her thing called the other half of the eggs. So we either use egg white or egg yolk to show people how to use one thing or another, you know. And I think it was like, I don't know, the mid 60s or something like that. Uh huh. Yeah. And and then you've you've had. 25 cookbooks that 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 have come out over the years and so you have have you evolved as a chef as as the time has gone on of course you change all the time you know but i mean the change that you have are are pretty uh uh you know slow and you don't even realize it it's uh what happened i can look at my food and say, well, 10 years ago, I didn't do that. But not yesterday or the day before. It's not like it happened in one day. Uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, slow sometimes because of, uh, maybe because getting older, your temperament, you know, your metabolism change. You learn other things. There is new thing on the market. There is new market. There is new uh, thing that you look at, and eventually you start changing a little bit here. But uh, the, those, those changes usually are quite small. But you eventually change a lot you know i i paint for uh, over half a century and i can look at some painting that i did uh 50 years ago and i would not even know how to start a painting this way i don't feel this way at all they are kind of a uh, strange for me to look but unfortunately i cannot i would love to be able to taste the food that i did 60 years ago and when i was an apprentice and after <clears throat> i probably would be amazed, you know, it would be so different than what I would do now. But, of course, the food, you cannot do that. You make it, you eat it, and it's gone. I mean, all you have left mm-hmm. is the memory, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you have some really great memories because you had the privilege of, of cooking and working with Julia Child, and who's just uh-huh. really just become a, another legend in when we think about food and, and cooking. Yes, well, I met Julia in 1960, you know, 6-0, so... <laughs> I knew him for the last, uh, I don't know, 45 years of her life. So, uh, yeah, we were friends. We teach at Boston University for years. Eventually, we did show together, and I ate many, many times at her house, and she came to mine as well. So, yes, she was a friend. And, uh, you know, it's always the best to cook with friends. In fact, when we did the series that we did, we didn't have any recipe. And uh, we decided, okay, let's do stew tomorrow, or let's do whatever, and uh, we get some ingredients, and we start cooking. In, in fact, when the when the the show were done, uh, we all of a sudden had to wait almost two years to come on the on the air because uh, the the publisher asked to look at those shows to extrapolate recipe and create a book. So it was a total reversal. And then, of course, a year and a half later, they would call me. They say, "How much?" Uh, uh, you know, how much onion did you put in that dish? I don't even remember the dish to start with, you know, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. So, you know, it's a different way of doing it, but it's a bit of the way you cook at home. I cook with my wife or with a friend. You know, you don't measure anything. You talk, you add, you know, you taste, and you keep talking and having a glass of wine and cooking. So that's the way usually you do it with a spouse or with a friend. Well, and you talk about your best friend who has been – just a huge part of your life 
for, for so long, uh, Jean-Claude. Yeah. We talk about him yeah. in the book, and there's pictures, and, and that warmth and, and, and love of friendship really comes through in the heart and soul in the kitchen. It really does feel like you put your heart and soul into this book by, by introducing us to your best friend and, and telling us the stories with, with Jean-Claude and, and introducing us to your family and your wife and your daughter and, and, and your grandchild. It's a very personal book. Yes, what happened is that uh, I have done so many series on television, and each time we do a book with it, and uh, all the books that I've done, I did, uh, you know, I did a book for the Cleveland Clinic for cardiac patients, so that was really very uh, focused, you know. Then I, I had an article in the New York Times for about 10 years called The Purposeful Cook in the 80s where I cook for a family of six for a minimal amount of money, so the focus there was money. And then I did books like La Technique, too, which are... Uh, illustrated manual of cooking techniques, so more for professionals from boning out a whole baby lamb to whatever. Uh, and uh, I did two series on television called uh, uh, Fast Food My Way. So then I used the supermarket there as a prep cook. You know, you can go there like you have in a restaurant where the prep cook prepare everything for you, bone out the chicken, bone out the fish, slice the mushroom, and so forth. You can go to the supermarket, and I bought, you know, boneless, skinless breast of chicken, pre-washed spinach, pre-sliced mushroom, and with a non-stick pan in a minimal amount of time. When I did those shows, 25, 26 minutes, I did three, four dish, sometimes five, and with the package directly from the supermarket. So, again, what I'm saying is that all of those were focused toward a very specific area of food. In that book, I didn't think of that. I thought of the food that we like to eat at home and uh, from a shirashi sushi, you know, that my wife loves sushi, to, uh, to uh, some uh, Mexican influence or, or, or uh, you know, southern influence or raw fish or whatever. So uh, I did not try to do one thing focused on only one area of food. I just did the food that we love to eat, the food that my granddaughter like or my daughter or my friend. And so, yes, probably a more personal book in that sense. And it's also it's uh, sprinkled with some beautiful artwork, and it looks like you're not only an artist in the kitchen, but you're an artist on canvas as well. Well, uh, yes, I have been painting, as I said, for many, many years. And uh, if you see at the opening of the book, there is two menus uh, uh, that we photographed from my books of menu. I have been married almost 50 years, and uh, for 50 years, when people came to our house, uh, we invite people, and we write the menu down, and people sign, and sometimes I did a little drawing, sometimes I didn't. But we have, uh, I think, like seven or eight big book of menu going back 50 years. So it's a whole life, you know, in menu, and it's a, it's a nice way of, uh, of remembering what you had and uh, uh, tracing your life, you know. Oh, absolutely. And you talk about cheeses and wines. You cover seafood. You cover desserts. There's there's things that are maybe on the easier scale, and then there's more advanced. So it really covers something for everybody. And it's so much more than a cookbook. I, I, I hesitate to even call it a, a cookbook because it's, it's that and more. It's, it's, uh, it's really just like what People Magazine was saying, it's it's an extraordinary book. It's, it, it really covers so many aspects of entertaining and enjoying food and family and friends. 
That's great. Well, thank you. To you. I didn't even know about that quote in uh, in uh, People's Magazine. I didn't see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. No one told me. Yes. So, yeah, so they have reviewed it, and, and a lot of times they're very harsh with their with their uh, reviews and in, in people. I, I I actually respect a lot of their reviews because they're they're right on, and and they really liked uh, Heart and Soul in the Kitchen, and they gave it a fantastic review. And and based on what I saw, and uh, I think people are just going to love it when it comes out October six. It's available for pre order now, doing actually very well in in pre orders. I went over to Amazon and looked at it before we came on the air. It was doing very well. In pre-sales, and it's not even due out for another week, so it is available on Kindle. And and for those people who do like Kindle, I mean, you know, absolutely go for it. But really, for just a couple dollars more, you get the hardback book, and it it is such a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, a lot of people Thank like you. to leave cookbooks out on their counters now, or and and have guests look through them with a glass of wine when they're coming over and having food prepared. And this is absolutely perfect for that because it'll really, I think, inspire your guests when they come over. It inspires conversation. Um, and I and I say, put it out on the counter and open up some wine and have a great conversation, <laughs> like you were saying, and 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 a and a nice dinner. And it it starts it starts right with you, I think. Yeah, well, you know, after over half a century that I've been in America, uh, I have I don't think I ever try really to stay totally French. By the same token, I don't try not to be French. I don't really think in those terms. I mean, you know, I married a, a woman, as I say, almost 50 years now, born in New York City from a Puerto Rican mother and a Cuban father. So, And uh, all my friends, and I love Japanese cooking, I love Chinese cooking, Korean, Vietnamese, and my wife do as well. So we uh, we, we do all of those. And uh, so there is a mixture there. There is some very simple recipe, you know, extremely simple that I do for my granddaughter. And uh, on the other hand, I had a chapter on offals. You know, now the young chefs are crazy about offals from tribes to pig's feet to pig's tongue, you know. I mean, it's not everyone who's going to do that. But, uh, you know, it's there for the people who are interested in it. Absolutely. And one thing that I always like to see in cookbooks, because we eat so much of them here, not only in Seattle, but in the Pacific Northwest, is mussels. And you give us several recipes on on ways that that we can prepare mussels. We're always looking for that here in in our area, for sure, because we use Pen Cove mussels almost exclusively in this area. And um, and so we eat a lot of them, and they're fantastic. And I was really happy to see that that you covered that in, in your book. Good, yes. I don't remember which recipe it is, but if you said that. <laughs> there that's was, what let's see, uh, with, recipe, with, cream, with cream and chives, muscle with cream and chives and mussels and clams oh. stew, all of that is perfect for, for fall for us. Do, do you get out to Seattle very often? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're on the water here, too, in Connecticut, and mm-hmm. uh, I used to go fishing for mussel all the time myself. I know area where, you know, the bottom where the sea goes out and comes back in. I mean, the floor is covered with mussel. You know, now, unfortunately, I go to those places. But I, I, I moved here almost 40 years ago in uh, in Connecticut, that is. And at that point, everything was up. And now I see a lot of places, uh, they put signs polluted, you know, don't pick up mussel there or whatever. So it's, it's a shame, but hopefully it's changing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the book's called Heart and Soul in the Kitchen. It's a beautiful cookbook. Absolutely 100% knocked it out of the park with this. Wonderful conversations about his his life and, and the people he cooked for, not only his friends and family, which you really let us into your life and, and your home and your kitchen, but also uh, cooking for Charles de Gaulle and, and cooking with Julia Child, just like we had said earlier, and Ronald Reagan and uh, Rachel Ray and, and all of these people. I mean, they, uh, there's a story after story after story that's just fantastic to read. And like I said, if you, if you don't like wine, <clears throat> shame on you, but if, if, if you don't like wine, pour a glass of something that you do like but if you do like wine this is a great a great cookbook to just kind of cuddle up and get the fire going and have a glass of wine and and map out your recipes or or your menu for for the week and 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 take some risks with basically how you made us feel with to take a risk with with a friend i I really felt like you were there with us the whole way through the book well i i was on actually i was on rachel ray yesterday uh, that she was celebrating my 80th birthday, so it's going to be on the air on Tuesday, I think. So, uh, oh, perfect! Um, yeah, I have a good time oh. with her, and and you know we have 26 shows that we did out of uh, those uh, out of that book at KQED, and I don't know when it started in Seattle, but I know it started in New York a couple of weeks ago and in San Francisco, so it's probably starting somewhere on your PBS station as well. And I have I, my I friend cooking with me, Jean Claude. Oh, yes, I have my friend cooking with me, Jean-Claude, and my daughter, and my granddaughter cooking with me. So we had a we had a good time, and uh, I cooked some special dinner like we used to do for the president to some very simple type of food, you know, and uh, that's usually, usually what I like to eat. And I will be in your neck of the wood next week. Uh, I'll be in Seattle on uh, a few days, you know, on, on the... Okay. Seven and eight, nine of uh, of October, you know. So. Oh, great! Okay. Well, we want people to get out and and see you and and come support it because we need more cookbooks like this, and we need to know more stories like the ones that you have to tell, and that you're going to be in um, Seattle the seventh, eighth, and ninth of October, and we right. will get we'll find out all that information and get it out to everybody so that. Um, people can get out and see you. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. It was absolutely just a treat for us. Well, thank you. Thank you for for having me. And hopefully I'll see you next week. I I will try to get out and see you too. Have a great week and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. That was the world-famous cooking teacher Jacques Pepin and you really need to follow him and he's just a very wonderful person he has his cooking shows out on PBS and you can check your local listings for that and then his cookbook Jacques Pepin Heart and Soul in the Kitchen is out October 6th available for pre-order and um, you can get that on Amazon or where books are sold and I will say it is available on Kindle but spring the extra couple bucks and and get the hardback I I don't think that you will be disappointed at all it's beautiful beautiful and people magazine called it the next dinner party bible so get out and have a dinner party and, and have a great time this is Bradford Lomas he is a Seattle artist and we're going to go out to his see you on the other side 
Bradford is very well known here in the Pacific Northwest, and we really hope that he is discovered someday. So take a listen to Bradford Lomas and have a great day. Sister, won't you come with me? I'm going down to the river, Lord, let the ghost wash over me. Oh, my brother, won't you come with me? I'm going down to the river, Lord, put this weary soul at ease. I will see you on the you